Hour number two of the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Our next guest, well, at this these days, he's a YouTube star. He's also been covering uh, the Commanders for many, many years. A, a number that, well, I it's enough that I don't remember it. It's, it's, it's like 25, 27, 28. Anthony, hit the magic button, and then we'll ask John how many years it's been at this point. Today's top story, from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not my beat. ESPN's John Kime. Cakes, if we measure it in both years and coaches, how many is this? For the commanders? Yeah. Two. Two two what? In the last in the last five years. They've only been the commanders for two years. (laughs) So I've only covered them for two. Why was I not prepared for a dad joke for you? Jesus Christ. But it's true. Like I didn't start off covering the Washington Commanders. I started off covering the Redskins. You've got so, three team names. How many coaches and how many years have you been on this silly beat? All right. So since 94, and I think for the coaches, it's now nine. So it's Norv, Marty, Spurrier. I'm not including the interim coaches. Norv, Marty, yeah. Spurrier, um, Gibbs, Shannon, oh, Gibbs, Zorn, mm. <laughs> Shanahan, forget? Jay, Ron, and now Dan Quinn. So there nine. we go. You're like, you know, there's like those NBA veterans that have played for 12 teams in 13 years. Like Jamal Crawford was the classic. And like, I remember there was a sideline interview once where they asked him to name all of his coaches like at halftime and he did it. That's, that's you all of a sudden. Um, There have been a few. There have been a few. Uh, Let's focus in on this one though. So uh, this process is under a lot of scrutiny right now. We can talk about that. And we can of course talk about the result. We can talk about Dan Quinn kind of outside of the process, but what did you make of, of how we landed here at Dan Quinn? Because I feel like all along you've kind of been pumping the brakes on some narratives that seem yeah. to be spinning out of control yeah. in other places. So what's the reality of how we got here? So, yes, I had been, and I wasn't alone. I, don't, I know that you, know, you would hear that you know, certainly some people in this group liked Ben Johnson and they, or would have liked an offensive-minded coach. He was never a lock. You know, I never thought that. And I knew that they liked, I knew that they liked Dan Quinn. I knew that going into this, there was nobody in the GM search. It was Adam Peters period, right? That's the guy. And you had to bump him off that nobody was like that entering this coach search. So as we got to this point and like on Monday, for example, Craig, like I had been told probably end of the week higher. So it wasn't like, Oh no, Ben Johnson pulled out. Now you got to spend a few days thinking about it. It was this was the the end of the week, even before Ben Johnson, you know, withdrew his name, even before Mike McDonald with Seattle. You know, I, it was always Thursday or Friday, right? That's what I had heard. So I don't think there was this, and I say that on that I heard it on Monday because that's before all this stuff happened. So it's exactly how it followed suit. I know, like I said, I know Dan Quinn fit a lot of what they were looking for. Plus. He had experience. And um, so I think, so that's why he was always a favored, maybe not the favorite, but a favorite candidate. And I don't know. I know the perception is it was Ben Johnson, but I don't know that they would have hired him for sure. So it's, I, I can't say that he wasn't, 
I can't say that he was going to be hired either because we don't know that he wasn't offered the job. And um, I know, like I said, I know there were people who liked him, but I know it wasn't a lock. Um, then you, of course, had the McDonald news yesterday as well, right. which seemed to be somewhat uh, a factor here. Um, yeah. I, you know, I don't know what, what your knowledge is of what kind of feelers they were putting out. Like, you know, hey, dude, are you getting on the plane to go accept the job? Are you still interested? What, did, what happened yesterday uh, in the reality of, of us landing on Quinn today? Well, I think part of the reality with McDonald, it seemed like he and Seattle had an infatuation for each other, right? And um, so, you know, I I think things went pretty well here with him. I don't know. Like I said, they he was not offered the job here. So I don't know that he turned him down, but certainly he liked Seattle. And you're going, he's going to a place where you have John Schneider's a proven GM and they built really good teams out there. So I think, um, you know, maybe after having been in a stable situation with, with uh, front office like Baltimore, that that's what you were looking for that rather than new. I don't know. And I don't know, like, like I said, I don't know that he would have been the guy either. I think it's like, you know, certainly would have given them another option. I, but I can't say that I can't say that it was like oh Ben Johnson no okay now you got to go to oh big I don't know that it was a one two three now we're on Dan Quinn I don't know that it was that right um, so I think um, but it certainly took away one really good option for them and you know the thing is too, the thing is too Craig like you know this all these coaches like first of all. There are a lot of people who didn't know who Mike McDonald or Ben Johnson were a month and a half ago, and they suddenly couldn't live without him. Right. Um, I kind of, I always find that funny. Like, but w- there's also a lot of stuff we wouldn't know about them. You know, Ben Johnson coaching a fantastic situation in Detroit. You have a strong head coach. You had a veteran quarterback with a really good line and really good skill talent. He made it work with that offense. Like, I liked his offense a lot. I really did. And so I think he's a very good offensive mind. Not taking anything away from him, but when you become a head coach, you have to build that. And same thing with McDonald. Like McDonald's coming, you know, his defense, he's very creative as a defensive coordinator. Love that, right? But, you, again, you have to build that. So that's where Quinn had, had an edge, was that he, we've, you know, we, the public, he, they have seen what he can do in that role. And, you know, I mean, you know, so I think that always was a help, too, I believe. John Kime, ESPN, of course, the John Kime Report podcast as well. Uh, you can subscribe to their new membership on YouTube, which is very cool. So if you exclusive cakes material, uh, you just go subscribe to their membership on the Empire Media page. Uh, so I guess the, the remaining question that even if you're like, hey, I like Quinn, but this process is a little weird. Right. Like we can talk yeah. about Quinn specifically. This will be my last process question. Is they were still ultimately the last team to decide. Yeah. So uh-huh. if if you're looking at it that way and say, well, even if they wound up with their number one guy, what took so long? What, what did they do differently, for better or for worse, that they were the last team to fill their spot? When it seemed like, especially after the way they did the GM hire and for how desirable we thought this job was, we thought they would be one of the first. Well, part of the problem is look at how many candidates they had that were still alive in the playoffs. Right. So four of their final candidates, or let's see, it was, yeah, 
two at Baltimore, two at Detroit. That right there is partly why. Like, first of all, Atlanta interviewed like 30 people for their job, but not everybody was in the playoffs still. The people that they wanted were still alive in the postseason. So that, and you have to fulfill the Rooney Rule requirements. You have to interview two minorities from outside the organization in person. That wasn't going to happen until this week. So, you know, that was part of why it took to this point for them. Now, they could have, you know, had they wanted to just to, you know, check boxes and do that, you could have gone and done that. But Aaron Glenn and Anthony Weaver were legitimate candidates. So, you know, I, I think um, if they – I would say this, like, had they – had Dan Quinn been the guy all along, you could have gone and fulfilled that rule in a different way. Um, but he was part of a group that they liked, right? So that's partly why it took so long is that they wanted to interview all these candidates and they were still alive in the postseason. And, you know, so, and, and, and then with the requirements, et cetera. So that, that's why that's, you know. Yeah, no, that makes sense. The whole, the whole, uh, you know, the calendar. I think, by the way, uh, we don't need to go back into this because at this day, at this point, it's, it's old news, but, you know, that's why the Ben Johnson thing was so weird, too. Like, he was still in the playoffs, and they scheduled yeah. the interview before the playoffs. And so when he changed his mind, yeah, it sucked. But it was less than 48 hours after a season ended when the commanders were on the plane to Detroit. Uh, John Keim, again, ESPN, ESPN.com is with us. So, uh, short question here. What do you make of Dan Quinn as the head coach of the commanders? I mean, I know the it's a big reaction. side, John. That was a big no, sigh. It's a big sigh because there's so much with it and because the reaction to it is not commensurate with the hire. Mm. I would, that's, why I do, that's why I take a deep breath like that. He is a, very, he's a good coach. And I have I talked throughout this process, I've talked to a lot of people, and everybody had, was really, really high on Dan Quinn. Now, I say that, and, you know, we all know the history there. We know what happened in Atlanta. He got a team to the Super Bowl. They also blew the lead there, right? That's all part of his history. Um, he had a really good defense in Seattle. He had a really good defense in Dallas. I know he had a bad last game with the Cowboys. Guess what? Sean McVay had a bad last game in Washington, 10 points against the Giants. So don't use one game to measure any coach. But, you know, I think – I know um, part of the concern is, you know, is, you know, is, you know, the word retread or is it Ron 2.0 there? First of all, he's coming to a different situation than Rivera did. You have a much stronger ownership group. You have a football GM who is in charge. This is not a coach centric thing. You know, he's not coming to that. And um, I think the big key for him will be who do you hire as your OC and then just staff in general. I don't care who they hired as a coach, whether it's Ben Johnson, you know, Belichick, Mike Vrabel, whomever. The number one key for anybody is to hire a strong staff. If you don't do that, you will not win. When Joe Gibbs came back, the defensive staff was fantastic. The offensive staff was not. The defense was really good for four years. The offense was up and down. So, like, you know, you have to hire a strong, strong staff. And then they have to get the quarterback position right. So that's why I say, like, I think, you know, I think he's a – I don't like the word 
safe pick necessarily. I think he's a proven pick, right? Um, yeah. I don't know what the ceiling is here. Like, I have questions. Everybody else is going to have questions. Like, you know, ideally you'd like to see a guy as, oh, this guy, you know, was, was great here, here, and here. I mean, Seattle plucked Pete Carroll out of um, USC, but he was an average coach in terms of record at New England and the Jets. And so, you know, I don't know what the, you know, so you just, it's just hard to know sometimes. And if you get the right quarterback, you can have success. If you hire the right offensive staff, and I say staff because it's not just coordinator, you better have a good quarterbacks coach too, because if your coordinator leaves in a couple of years, you can elevate from within, you know, and keep that same system. I think that was part of his downfall in Atlanta, but also part of the downfall there was the defense was never that's his side of the ball. It was never really good. And so why is that? So what changes is he going to make to his, to his program to make sure that the defense is better than what he had in Atlanta? And so I think that those are the things, like, he's also – some of the things that you hear about him, I mean, like this offseason he spent time talking to – or I think it was – I don't know if it was last offseason maybe – talking to NBA coaches – about their process of finding, you know, how do you use in, a, in an era where, you know, players aren't necessarily defined by a position anymore, how do you use them? How do you maximize them? And then transferring that knowledge onto football players, right? So like the way you see Micah Parsons used, for example, things like that. So there's a, there's a you know, you see, you hear some of that stuff. So that's, it's all good. But again, it still comes down to, do you hire the good staff and you have a good quarterback? And I would say that for any of these candidates, like, there are things that I, were intrigued to me about Anthony Weaver, about Aaron Glenn, about Ben Johnson, about Mike McDonald, right? All those guys. And, you know, I, I'd have some of the same questions, but the question, what we do know with, with, with Quinn is he knows how to handle, he knows how to build an organization. He knows how to work with the GM in conjunction to build the roster, et cetera. I think those are all important things. So, I mean, I, mean, I think this is a good hire. Is it, is it some, is it, you know, certainly a, fans are going to buy a million season tickets tomorrow higher? No. But to me, you know, I've been here in this offseason where moves look great in February and stink in September. So see where it is at the end of the year, and are they headed in the right direction? Are they playing better, more sound football? That's when we'll really know. Right now it's just it's the start of it. So that's it. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think I think another thing that's interesting with fans and the reaction and I this is I think where uh, I'm at and I wouldn't be surprised if you're you're with me here is like because he's known and because it's yeah. not like Carol coming from USC who had all of a sudden right. gone to these new heights, it doesn't feel like the ceiling is as high, but yeah, I, I yeah, I I do think that like the idea like to go back to something you said earlier in that answer that he's a football coach coming to coach football, which is not only what didn't happen the right. last four years, but not what he had set up uh, fully in Atlanta either. He had some personnel control and probably a little too much power over the roster in Atlanta, which ultimately went sideways. I think that to me is the the ceiling raiser and the thing that that I'm most excited about is the structure is finally sound. I think that's a big thing too, and you can't. You, that's why I say like this 2.0 talk is is not accurate, you know, for a lot of reasons. But part of it is he's coming to a different organization, so. Now, we don't know how all these guys are going to be in this role. Like, Adam Peters has never been in this role in a full-time position, right? And now we do know that Dan Quinn has been in that, but Adam Peters is not. 
So how does that all work? And, you know, will it go, how smoothly will that go? Um, I think that's why they were so big on the quote aligned vision. And it's, you know, that's the new buzz phrase this, with this, with this group. Um, and it's why some candidates were not looked at because they may have wanted too much power and that was not going to work with their setup. So, you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot to learn about everybody here. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. Like, can he build, can he coach, not just coach team to Super Bowl? We've seen that he's done that, but can he get, can he do it? Can he build a consistent, help build a consistent winner? Cause we have, you know, he didn't like, he had a couple of years in Atlanta that were good. And then a couple that were not. So, you know, that's, that's what we know. And, um, there are also Julio Jones. I think it was Julio Jones in the end zone dropped the one. Yep. I think, yep. yeah, you catch that. And they're back in the NFC championship game two years in a row. So, you know, it's just, it's a good hire. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't, I, I never quite understood um, some of the angst with it. I understand like, and I understand like the, the flashy new toy, cause it's the unknown and it's, it's very akin to, do you draft Jaden Daniels or, or Drake may, or do you sign a, a veteran quarterback that we already know who this guy is, Right. Or do you go for, like, Jaden Daniels could change the NFL. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, right? right? Drake May could be this. He could be that. We don't know. So I think I understand how some people, that, that is enticing to, to people. I mean, you know, even as a reporter, as a writer, it's, it's interesting to me because you're exploring possibilities because you don't know the answer. And, um, but with Quinn, we've seen what he can do as a coach, and there's no reason to think it can't be – better or more consistent and you know if you if you have a couple years where you win 10 11 games here you know how many 11 win seasons i've covered in my time here craig that would be zero john zero Zero. it would be zero and i wanted to ask you too by the way how many playoff wins have you covered two two dan quinn had five in atlanta i I mean so you know um but I, i think part of it too is and i wonder like you know for fans and this is what I'm kind of gathering too. They wanted the this, this splashy off seasons. Adam Peters was the GM. Ben Johnson was the coaching candidate. Get them all here because it signals the new day, and it's a different era because of that. And I think that's part of it. But I do, I will say like Peters was a massive hire. That was a really good hire. And um, you know everybody I've heard from Quinn really really respects not just likes him, but really respects him. I had one former, somebody who coached with them was like, he does the best job of any coach he'd been around of setting the standard in the building. And like that stuff all matters. And it's, it's more than what I've heard for a lot of coaches here. So, you know, that, but again, Craig, I don't know where it's going to go. Cause no, like, I can say all that, but I can't sit here and say like, you watch and they're going to roll. I don't know that. Right. You know, you have to get the staff right. You have to get the quarterback right. I mean, you, I, I've covered zero quarterbacks who have started for more than three years. Zero. Yeah. I just, so, like, you know, like. Haven't you and I covered the same amount that have started three years in a row, which is one, which is Kirk? Yeah. Well, I covered, Sorry for no, leaving you been, on the beat then. That's clearly my I fault. Think, I think Gus Farratt was three, too. Someone else. There was oh, someone else okay. that was three as well. But, but yeah, I mean, and. You know, I, I know like a lot of people want the offensive coach. I get it. Like I think yeah. all things being equal, but I've covered seven, I think six or seven offensive coaches. And in my time here, this offense has stunk. 
most of the time. And right. it's not like it's not just because, you know, they haven't had the quarterback, the organization's the bad. I get it. But it's not an end all be all and the the you know, arguably the best coach I covered was a defensive guy in Marty Schottenheimer. And I mean just for his tenure here, what he did with that roster was terrific. And and the owner foolishly fired him and John Schneider at the same time. <laughs> Whoopsie daisies. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. So it was a bad place to be. But that's the point. Like it's a different place now. And I think you're gonna have a just I think based on everything you hear about Adam Peters, you hear about Dan Quinn, that this is just a far better setup than they've had in a long time. Now, again, get the staff right, get the quarterback right, or it won't matter. Yes, and the staff is kind of the next step. Uh, we obviously are hoping to know who the offensive coordinator is, but it feels like we're probably going to have a week of waiting on that if, if some of these San Francisco guys are in play because right. you can't interview anybody. So uh, we will wait uh, with bated breath on that, see what he does on the defensive side. Uh, and then it's on to all the draft talk, John. Uh, so we got we got plenty to talk about this offseason. That is for sure the blankest of slates, which uh, in some ways is fun, in some ways is terrifying. Uh, John will have all the coverage, though. Uh, he's got a story up now on the Quinn hiring and, and a lot of the stuff we just talked about in more detail on ESPN.com. Highly recommend reading that. And then, of course, his podcast, The John Kime Report, uh, which has episodes very frequently during the week. Uh, and then now brand new member exclusive episodes and live streams as well. Go to the Empire Media YouTube page for that. Cakes, always appreciate your time, my friend. Uh, are you going to be in uh, in Vegas next week for Super Bowl, doing indie for Combine? When will I see you next? Um, no, no, and no. Owners' meetings uh, will be okay. It's warm oh, you're taking, weather. It's you're warm taking weather. the fancy trips. It's warm weather. Yeah, the, you're smart. The, combi- the combine is the combine is is fine, but it's like it's become this massive, massive thing, and it just it's there's like 900 media members there. That's too many. Yeah, well, they have, they have a they have a radio row, and some of those people will sit down. And John, these three hours don't fill themselves. I know, listen. That's and that's great. Like, but for me, you know, it's, it's yeah. funny though because like they're so busy there. Like that the, at the owners' meetings, they're relaxed. It's nice that's weather. True. It's better quotes. That that is true. <laughs> that's a vet move right there. there All right, go. John Kime, everybody. Thank you, sir. I'll talk to you. Thanks, Craig. All right, uh, cakes again. ESPN.com for the story. John Kime report. The podcast. When we get back, John's ESPN colleague, Kimberly Martin, joins us for her thoughts. And she has some additional reporting on how this all went down as well. Kim, next on The Hoffman Show. It's The Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. 80. Thanks again to Mike Jones and John Kime. And I now just continue my journey back in my media room past by welcoming in yet another former colleague that I covered the commanders with back in the day. Now I watch her on television along with you on Get Up, Sports Center, and the rest of ESPN's NFL platforms. It is our good friend Kim Martin. Kimberly, how are you, ma'am? I'm good. You literally just got the squad back. <laughs> that, I mean, y'all still got the information. I got a show. We might as well put our skills to good use. 
Oh, I just ask the questions and let you guys you guys tell me things. That's really how the skills are being put to use. I just sit back and and let you guys uh, carry. Uh, no, but you did have you had some really I think great reporting on kind of uh, talking to some folks around this search and this situation, and um, it, it runs counter to some narratives that I feel like got out of control about Ben Johnson being the favorite and the Commanders were crushed and you know kind of caught with their pants down yeah, or whatever. Yeah, what, yeah. It, the yeah. way you I'm actually push, have, I'm gonna push back on that i'm gonna push back on yeah that. so and what's I the actual say, information you have okay so like a week and a half ago it seemed you know actually what i was told from people in league circles was like oh yeah ben johnson to washington done deal like that's the nfl's worst kept secret right that's what i heard from people a week and a half ago uh and change but the days uh, you know in recent days um talking to people, more people in the league and also more people internally. And you got to be honest, like everybody wants to act like the commanders yet again, they botched this. Da, 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 da. It, like, let me tell you from talking to people, Ben Johnson did not impress everybody in his interview. So when they left that initial interview, they still had questions. He was not the clear cut favorite. This is the guy, right? Um, they still wanted to, they were still interested in talking to other people. They still had a list of other people. Now he was still a candidate in there, which is why they still scheduled a second interview. But this was not, as a lot of people thought, a shoe and Ben Johnson, if this is his job. Now, I, I think, you know, I used to, I used to, before I came to the Washington Post, I was a beat writer for the Jets. And I think when you cover teams that have been mired in dysfunction or can't seem to get out of, uh, their own way. I think it is very easy to kind of fall into that trap of like, here we go again. They done messed up again. Um, and I don't think that's the case here. What, you know, when I talked to NFL GM, I had a conversation with an NFL GM yesterday and he said, here's, and he's looking, he was looking for a head coach this hiring cycle as well. And he said, you got to ask yourself, do you want somebody just for their offense or defense? Or are you trying to hire a leader? for your team, because what everybody thought before the hires were made, you know, across the league, oh, teams that have QB situations, they got to go offensive court, they got to go with an offensive mind, a young guy, da, da, da. we've seen a lot of younger candidates, but there have been a lot of defensive guys that have been hired as head coaches this cycle. And really what it comes down to talking to so many execs and GMs is you need to be able to lead these young men. And the game is different. The players are different. And so when I think about Dan Quinn, he impressed in his interview. You need somebody who's going to stand up there, have credibility, talk to these guys, be a player's coach. And Ron Rivera was a player's coach. But I think the difference here with Dan Quinn is you guys have an actual traditional front office structure now. That's the, the thing that Commanders fans should be happy about. That you have Adam Peters, first-time GM. He's got to nail this draft. He's got to nail the QB situation. And with Dan Quinn's input, you develop a roster, but it's not Dan Quinn is now responsible for personnel and coaching. And it's more of a traditional setup, which I think bodes well for both Adam Peters and Dan Quinn. Totally. And and to be 100% clear here, yes and on this. Yes and there is an actual accountability with Dan Quinn. Uh, we'll talk about that with former Seahawks linebacker KJ Wright at the top of the hour versus Ron Rivera talked a lot about accountability and I don't think actually provided it. And part of that might have been the structure too. He had a lot going on, uh, which Dan Quinn 
won't. Uh, so, Kim, let's pretend we're on the get upset uh, and it's, you know, we, we ignore the process and, you know, we kind of, I don't know, we use a magical time machine here. If I told you at the beginning of all of this, commanders hired mm-hmm. Dan Quinn, you, th- are, you think you're sitting on that desk praising the hire? Um, I, yeah, I get it. Uh, you know, we had this conversation on first take two um, today and Stephen A., was that we were all asked, like, how do you feel about it? And Stephen A was like, nah, I'm not sold on it. And I asked the follow-up, is it because of when he was hired, being the last guy? Does that change things? I think if you're a Commanders fan, it's hard to feel – I would not be surprised if there were Commanders fans who did not feel pumped because they literally are the last – it's almost like we're the last team picked, man. We're the last team that got got somebody. So when you have the introductory press conference with Quinn and it says – and they're saying, this is the guy. It's sort of like, well, if he's the guy, why does it take so long to hire the guy? Um, but I think that necessarily is an issue. You want to get the right guy. Because what we've seen over the last few years, I think over, within the last three years, every team has turned over its OC. Uh, we have had head coaches gone after one season or two seasons. Um, and you have a lot of head coaches right now that are lame ducks heading into this year. So I don't, I'm fine if it takes a long time to narrow down and make sure you get the right guy. So if you thought Ben Johnson might have been it and then something gave you pause and you're like, you know what? Actually, you know what? This is the guy we want. I'm cool with that. What, what should trouble people a little bit is the fact that this process, I think, hindsight took longer than they probably wanted it to. And now you have the top OCs and deep, now, Quinn is obviously a defensive guy, but now the top OCs are off the board, theoretically. You know, I'm going to say top, meaning like the guys that were highly coveted, right? So, so now it's like you're looking around, it's musical chair, okay, like who else is left? And you don't want a fan base to feel like we're just left with scraps. But there are a lot of talented football guys out there, and there are a lot of first-time head coaches. You, Dan Quinn needs to nail the OC hire. And Adam Peters has to nail the quarterback. Like, that literally is it. And it doesn't, you know, I don't, I don't think the commanders are in this, like, what was me situation. When you talk to people about Dan Quinn, he's respected. He is a player's coach. And he knows what he's doing. And I don't think the Cowboys, uh, you know, game against the Packers, while it was embarrassing, you know, I don't think that should be completely used against Dan Quinn because there are a lot of coaches right now who got head coaching jobs and the team, there's a reason they're available right now. The team's lost. Um, now, what the Cowboys did on defense and offense was, was, was terrible. And I don't think his, head co- his previous head coaching record necessarily should be held against him because you can make the same argument with Raheem Morris. The, the expectation is that you've learned about yourself and you've grown so that the next time you're in this position, you know how to be a better head coach. Have you talked to coaches about that over the years? Guys like Pete Carroll, who was a pretty mediocre head coach his first time around the NFL, obviously had a lot of years and, and a lot of college success in between it. But whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, Pete Carroll, Belichick, on down the list you go. Tony Dungy was a guy that was a, a, a retread. He happened to retread with Peyton Manning and win a Super Bowl. Is, is there something that those coaches that you think have done well their second time around that Dan Quinn needs to do to be successful in Washington? Well, I think, you know, his focus will be defense. That's why it's really important who he has around him uh, on the offensive side of the ball who's going to help groom this young quarterback. But I think, look, at any coach who gets another opportunity, um, what they 
you're in the you're in the job for the first time, so there's you don't even know how to be a head coach. I think what trips guys up a lot of times is if you're a coordinator, you're so used to focusing on your side of the ball. As a head coach, you are a CEO of a team of an organization. In some respects, beyond just the quarterback, you're also the face of the organization as well. So there's, you're being pulled in multiple directions, and you need to be able to trust that the people you hire can also disseminate your message, keep the culture intact within their individual meeting rooms. Like it's got to be a trickle down effect and what you need to be able to be a clear communicator of what you want so that even when you're not in the room, people understand that the standard still has to be met. And I think when you have a job for the first time, let's be, let's be honest. Like anytime we start a new job, we're not going to know what the hell we're doing. Like that's just the reality. And you need the reps. The same time we talk about quarterbacks, you need reps. But you also have to understand that there are a lot of working relationships within a front office. Like as a head coach, you're working with your GM. If those two people are not in lockstep, your organization is in trouble. Like that's, you got to be team players. And when things don't go well, theoretically, new regime, are they going to hit the ground running? I don't know. But if they don't, you still have to maintain whatever vision Adam Peters and Dan Quinn set out to create whatever they envision they had for this franchise, whatever plan for the long term for sustainable success, they have to stick to that plan. And if anybody deviates, that's where problems arise. I think you've got to be a good delegator. But I think, you know, given that Peters is in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, who also has experience with Dan Quinn, you know, in the NFL, people trust the people that they know, right? Like, yeah. so, so they're going to ask, what's he like to work with? What kind of dude is he? And I haven't, honestly, I haven't, I've never heard a bad thing about Dan Quinn. Besides, the thing that people point to was his record in Atlanta and then obviously how the Cowboys finished. But in all honesty, he took the Cowboys defense. You know, I think they were 28th in points, 23 in yards allowed, you know, when he got there. And, and we've praised this defense in the time that he's been there. Um, so I, I don't want to hold one game against him, um, but he has an opportunity to completely rebuild the culture and set a new standard as what's expected in Washington. Yes. Uh, it just feels like a very anti-Washington hire. And uh, considering what the history has <laughs> been in Washington, that's, that's great. Thing, right? sign, <laughs> me, sign me up. Uh, Kimberly Martin, you can read her, uh, her reporting, uh, obviously, uh, through ESPN, ESPN.com. Mostly, uh, you're going to catch her on television. You know, first take, get up, Sports Center, NFL Live, on down the list. Y'all know how to watch the NFL coverage on ESPN. You're very smart people in this audience. Uh, Kim, always great to catch up. Hopefully, I'll catch you next week in Vegas or in India yeah, at the Combine. For sure, and, yes. And uh, until then, safe travels and uh, have fun with, with the rest of the NFL weekend. All right, that is Kim Martin with us here on the Hoffman Show. When we get back, uh, if we got people on hold, we can get to them. We can uh, talk amongst ourselves. And then coming up at 6 o'clock, we're going to talk to Seahawks linebacker, or former Seahawks linebacker, played for Dan Quinn in Seattle, K.J. Wright. So we're locked and loaded. Uh, back half of the Hoffman Show, full steam ahead. Next here on the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live on the free Odyssey app. We're also streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Big day on the YouTubes. Lots of people checking in on the show. Uh, if you're new here, we do this every day. Uh, this, is, this is a radio show that is 4 to 7 
each and every day here on the Team 980. And if you want Commander's news, you are definitely going to want to tune us in every day of the offseason. We have full coverage every day, all the time. Uh, we'll have draft coverage, free agency coverage, all of it. This is your spot. Make sure that you lock it in daily for the Hoffman Show, whether you're watching us on YouTube, streaming us live on the free Odyssey app, or, of course, listening old-school style on your radio. Um, Anthony, I'm at, I'm at home today. Do you happen to have the breaking news sounder in, in front of you? If not, then we'll just tell people the news. Sadly, I do not. Uh, okay, we don't have the, the breaking news. The breaking news. Oh, snap. News is broken. Breaking news sounder. Uh, alas, though, uh, the commanders are not done raiding the Cowboys' defensive cabinet. Uh, the guy who was thought to be the favorite in-house to replace Dan Quinn in Dallas was their defensive backs coach and pass game. Or sorry, not the DB's coach. Their pass game coordinator, Joe Witt Jr. Not so fast, my Cowboy friends. No, no, he's coming to be Dan Quinn's defensive coordinator. That according to longtime NFL reporter Aaron Wilson. Uh, Witt has been with DQ for a while. He was with him uh, his final year in Atlanta, followed him to Dallas. There's a couple of other guys that are, I don't call them like Quinn loyalists, but kind of his, his top guys that certainly could come with him. And I think unlike when Rivera brought you know, Scott Turner, these are highly respected coaches who are really good at what they do, which is very exciting because Anthony, the one thing that I am pretty fascinated about for this upcoming season is figuring out just how bad the previous regime was at coaching versus scouting. And what I mean by that is I don't actually believe right now I, this could easily be proven wrong, so I'm not I'm not putting a lot of stock into this take. But if you ask me where the divide is, I would tell you they were way, way worse at coaching than scouting. Do I think there are some definitive misses? Yeah, like I think there's a couple of guys where they straight up wasted picks. I'm not going to name names. That feels incredibly mean. Some of those guys are already gone. Like, look, Antonio Gandy-Golden obviously is one of them uh, back in 2020. They were fourth rounders out of the league. Whoopsie-daisy. Um, we'll see if some of the picks last year, I mean, I guess it, I can just say the name because it's kind of easy to figure out. We'll see if Braden Daniels turns into something, right? Last year, totally lost year. Didn't look like he was ready in camp. Most people thought that was a very, very bad pick, uh, especially if he was going to play tackle. And then he gets hurt and, and zero is a rookie year, and hopefully he gets healthy and he turns into a good something. Maybe he does. But they took guys in certain situations, maybe some like Jamin Davis slightly overdrafted or majorly overdrafted, uh, depending on what, what you thought of him, but they just didn't use him very well. And like, I look at Emmanuel Forbes and I'm like, I don't know. I don't think he forgot how to, to pick off the ball. I don't think he forgot how to play DB. I think he was coached like absolute dog dookie his rookie year. I think that Quan Martin could have been way more effective a lot sooner if he wasn't overloaded like crazy with four positions in training camp. And so it's very clear watching last year, all the coverage bus, they weren't taught very well. Their schemes and what their responsibilities were, weren't very clean. That stuff didn't happen with near regularity in Dallas. Now, do they get beat sometimes? Yeah, they were super aggressive defense and sometimes that backfired, but damn it. They did what they were supposed to with high amounts of regularity, 
which is why Dan Quinn got to a team that was six and ten the year before he got there as defensive coordinator, and they've went twelve and five the three next years. Yes, Dak Prescott and that offense was a big part of it. CD Lamb's development is a huge part of it. But good gracious, that defense with Micah Parsons as the the head of the spear destroyed some teams and did enough in a lot of other games and you know would have key plays even in games where they didn't play particularly well a pick six here a strip sack there they have a knack for making plays and so I look at the talent on this roster and I don't know if John Allen is going to be here I do know that our event tomorrow night got way more interesting today I do know that if you want one of the remaining 20 tickets for 1067 the van versus the team 980 live now would be a really smart time to go to bethesdatheater.com and get them because john is going to talk about all of this tomorrow night i have no idea what he's going to say but he's going to say it so i think that you know when you look at pain and can he be used more creatively obviously he's a very different player than micah parsons but deron Payne could line up on the end and pass rush situations and give a tackle a nightmare. Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio never did that. They did it like literally one snap this year, and Payne got a pressure. Quinn might do that with some frequency because Payne's such a freakish pass rusher. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm excited to see if he can turn Jamin Davis into something different. I'm excited to see what he does with a guy like Quan Martin. I'm excited to see... Emmanuel Forbes in a scheme and a philosophy that seems to fit his skill set far better than the one that actually drafted him. And who knows? Maybe those guys actually are bad football players or not as good as they're paid in Payne's case or whatever, whatever version of bad that they turn out to be. But I don't think it's going to be because of the coaching. And Dan Quinn is excellent as a teacher and a coach and a, and a football philosopher, if you will. And now it looks like Joe Witt Jr., the uh, number two in Dallas, is going to be the number one on the defensive side here. Now, I do think one thing that is interesting that you are about to hear, as I had the chance earlier today to catch up with K.J. Wright, former Seahawks linebacker, is I hope that even with Joe Witt coming, Dan Quinn still is the defensive play caller in D.C. K.J. Wright will tell you why. Next, it's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app.